This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Napa Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. So those are two huge upgrades um i by the way i have levy on bell as the number one ppr back regardless of whether he and if he got reduced and and now that he's got only two games suspended um he's it's it's such a no-brainer in ppr to take levy on bell number one Welcome to the RotoWire Audio Fantasy Football Draft Kit. I'm uh, RotoWire President Peter Shanky, along with Managing Editor Chris Sliss. Uh, this is July 28, 2015. We're getting ready for fantasy football season. This is a compliment to the RotoWire Draft Kit. Check it out, rotowire.com/football. Chris Sliss, it's foot, uh, training camps have started. Um, drafts are underway. You've actually already done, I think, what three, four, five uh, drafts in the last week. I did three real drafts. I'm going to do another uh, NFFC one this week. And uh, any so far, I mean, it's early, but any overall takes? I mean, any anything that pops out in terms of like trends you're seeing or, or things you're like, wow, I didn't expect that when you wrote the magazine like a month ago. Well, I, I won't say I didn't expect it, but I think that three four turn, okay, is where it starts to get thin. So uh, you know, it looks great the first couple rounds, and you're you're always getting something you like. Anywhere in the second round, you feel pretty good, and even the first half of the third round. But I think when you get to the end of the third, start of the fourth. Uh, there's players that you're not really feeling that great about and uh, that each have their uh, their downsides. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that I noticed, we, we, you know, you and I were two drafts together in Vegas uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, you know, I waited on a quarterback. I think you can wait on quarterback and you can wait on tight ends if you're not going to go for, like, Gronk or, you know, the top tight end. I mean, I got Stafford in the 11th round um, in a 14-team, one-quarterback league. He was the 15th quarterback, you know, taken overall. And As I'm, he should I'm, be. I'm by no means a big Stafford fan, but that's 600 attempts 
at a minimum. I mean, you know, unless he gets hurt, anybody can get hurt, and that's that's pretty good value for waiting forever for a quarterback. Yeah, I hate Stafford too, but it, it's fine there. And you're right. I mean, last year the Lions' defense was actually good for once, and he still had 600 attempts. So, uh, and Calvin missed, you know, parts of four games. He's only healthy for 12 games. So, uh, I, yeah, that's uh, that's not bad. And then a tight end. I mean, in, in our Stopa Law Firm League, uh, stayinmyhome.com, we'll give a shout out to Stopa who's putting up the $10,000 prize. Um, I mean, you have to start two tight ends in that league. So there's 24 tight ends in that league. I mean, it goes super deep. But, you know, I got Max Williams and Dwayne Allen for a dollar each at the end of the draft. And I don't think they're that much different than guys going in the top, you know, five to ten, in real ten range. I mean, they're just after. Well, look, I mean, like Heath Miller, right, who I got for a buck, is going to get 500 yards and five touchdowns, okay? Max Williams, he might do better than that, but who knows, right? I mean, who knows if he's even, you know, a regular guy on the field. Um, and... Uh, Who's the other guy you said he got? Dwayne Probably. Allen, who had eight touchdowns last year. Yeah, he did. But he's also sharing, you know, his upside is very limited if Fleener's healthy. Well, that's true. But he is in the past, you know, perhaps the best passing offense in, in football. And I'll, I'll take any guy who has any chance to get on the field to Andrew Luck for $1. You know, make it, you know, a couple injuries, things could pay up well. So you're right. I mean, look, they're $1 tight ends. But I'm just saying, like, I don't think that they're that much worse than, like, the middle of the pack. And so I'm, you know, to me that was a sign of, like, you know, either get the top guy or the number two guy at tight end or just wait forever. But, and, and, but isn't this kind of the case in most things? I mean, in baseball, like you take a, you know, you always feel like, oh, why did I take the guy in the eighth round when so-and-so is available in round 15? It's always those middle rounds. You know, the, the mediocre guys are always the worst expenses. And it's like that in pro sports when they give like Rashad Lewis like the max contract. It's like, oh, Allen Houston, why are you doing that? Only the superstars, right? So it's like, the first few rounds, the first two rounds, you're happy because there's superstars. And the later rounds, you're happy because there's all these cheap sleepers. It's always the middle rounds where it's a bad deal. And I think, you know, it's no different in football. Well, except for I think that if you go strategy where you're taking wide receivers earlier, you're waiting on quarterback and you're waiting on tight end, the middle rounds of the running back, I mean, there's just a lot of guys that I, that, that I think have a lot of upside. And I, you know, and I got a lot of those guys in the Vegas League, Devonta Freeman, Todd Gurley, um, you know, all the rookie running backs. Well, Gurley's looking good today with this report that he passed his conditioning test and looked good doing it um, because he may be ready week one, and then suddenly that's going to be a huge bargain. Um, but I think, you know, this is you're talking about an early first-round pick in real life who, you know, is clearly, you know, one of the better running back prospects to come out in the last 10 years. So that's an exception. But I think usually when it's like Devonta Freeman last year, everyone's like moving him up boards at this time last year. And Carlos Hyde, people are excited about. And I just think like, it doesn't really matter. It's going to be somebody, right? Last year was Justin Forsett. I don't think that name was even uttered all summer last year. I don't think anybody even uttered that name who was preparing for a fantasy football draft. And now it's going to be somebody. Is it going to be Javorius Allen? Is it going to be, you know, some late round running back that we have no idea about? You know, is it going to be Matt Jones or is it going to be one of the popular guys? You know, is it going to be Tevin Coleman or, or one of these other guys that, you know, probably will start or could start right away? We just don't know. So I think, again, it's like, you know, you, people are reaching up to take the popular uh, rookie backup. Um, but, you know, maybe you just get the guy that's available in round 15 and he has just as good a chance almost. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, I just think that speaks to the strategy of, like, wait on some positions, you know, take running backs in the middle. Yes, there's a lot of uncertainty there, but, you know. I, I will agree with you on one point. that I think the running back depth is pretty good. So a lot of people say, oh, receivers, I'll just get good receivers later. Well, yeah, you can get a good receiver in round two if you don't get one in round one. 
But good luck in the middle rounds. You know, I think that the depth is really at running back, that there's running backs that are interesting all the way through about round seven or eight. Uh, and so if you use your higher picks on receivers, there's going to be some running backs that are attractive in the middle rounds. Yeah, and I'm not saying any one of these guys is going to pop or there's not going to be a guy that's going to come out of the woodwork. But if you go with a strategy of, you know, just amassing a whole bunch of them, you know, maybe one of them, you know, will, will turn into something good. And then you've got a, a monster of a team if you've got if you've drafted your wide receivers and they've stayed well, healthy. I've heard this theory, and I think it's actually true, is that if you go receiver early and then, you know, mix and match with running backs, you have a very good chance to make the playoffs because your receivers are stable and you probably get one or two good running backs or at least in a PPR, somebody can catch passes and score some points for you. Running backs have a lot of different roles. Um, but if you want the home run team that's going to win, say, the NFFC, you know, grand prize, I think it might be better to get the two top running backs and then get lucky on the receivers. Even though that's a harder way to make the playoffs, maybe, and it's a harder thing to pull off because receivers are just more difficult to predict. You don't know just because they have a job that they're going to get enough targets. Running backs pretty much, when they get the job, get the carries. Uh, but I think the real home run is to have Le'Veon Bell, who just got a suspension reduced for two games, and then in round two, you know, get Arian Foster or whoever, you know, who stays healthy. And then you end up just getting enough out of your receivers. You end up, you know, striking gold. Maybe not Odell Beckham from last year, but you get somebody pretty good uh, in your receiver spots. That's how you win sort of big. All right, Chris, we already talked about a couple of these events, but let's go through a couple of recent news items. Just get your take on them real quick. You mentioned Todd Gurley beginning the season on the active roster. Um, what does that do for, you know, does it change your outlook? Does it boost his uh, draft stock for you tremendously? Yeah, I changed his projections already on the site. I mean, you know, it, 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 you know, we didn't know. He could have been on the PUP list. He could have been out six games. And now he is probably going to be active week one. Now, can he get 20 carries week one? Maybe. You know, maybe he only gets 12 or 8 or whatever. But it sounds like he's going to be up to full speed soon or sooner rather than later. And, again, this was – what do they use? The 13th overall pick on him? They, nobody drafts a running back in the first round these days. The fact that they used that early of a pick on a running back, they're either really dumb, like the uh, Browns were with Trent Richardson, or maybe this guy is that legit of a prospect. And I think you, know, you, you have to figure he's going to get you know, a heavy workload as soon as he proves he's healthy, and th there's a ton of upside there. Yeah, I'm trying, to think, I'm trying to see where I got him. I got him in the uh, fifth, let's see, the sixth round, oh, fifth, fifth round of this 14-team draft. I forget exactly which slot I was in, but um, you know that's probably not going to. That's probably going to be his low point of the preseason, unless he has some sort of uh, setback with the injury. In, in that in that hundred grand NFFC league that Greg got me in with, um, like some Hall of Famers, it was like a big time league. I got the first pick. I won't go over how I was pissed about that and third round reversal, whatever. Um, but I took Le'Veon Bell, whose suspension has reportedly just been reduced to two games, so that's huge for me. And then I drafted Gurley at the five six turn, who apparently is healthier than we knew. A couple weeks ago, when we did that draft. So those are two huge upgrades. Um, I, by the way, I have Le'Veon Bell as the number one PPR back, regardless of whether he, you know, if he got reduced. And, and now that he's got only two games suspended, um, he's it's it's such a no-brainer in PPR to take Le'Veon Bell number one. So what does that do for you know your overall ranking of Bell in the first round by having one fewer game suspension? He's, he's number one. There's no in a PPR. He's number one without a doubt. In a non-PPR, it's closer. Um, but I think I'm still taking him number one now that he has a two-game suspension. If he had been suspended three in a non-PPR, I would have taken a couple guys ahead of him. Um, but in a PPR, it is a no-brainer. He caught 83 balls last year. I had him down to 57 with the, the three-game suspension. I boosted him up to something like 62 now. 
62, nobody's going to touch that except maybe Forte. So even with two games out, he's going to still get a ton of receptions um, compared to most other backs. And the total yards are going to be higher than most other backs, even who play full seasons because he's got so many receiving yards. And he's also the best back in the league uh, from a fantasy perspective, you know, on a per game basis. So um, it's just uh, it's just a good situation for him. And uh, and I would I would take him number one in either format now. Okay, Chris, let's turn to the position rankings. But before we do that, let's give a shout-out to our sponsor, MaximumFantasySports.com. Do you enjoy playing fantasy football for cash but are tired of the same boring game offerings or websites keeping too much of the fantasy prize pool? If so, check out MaximumFantasySports.com. They have a variety of public fantasy football leagues with features no other website offers and pay out 90% of the prize pool. MFS hosts daily, weekly, monthly, and redraft leagues. That's MaximumFantasySports.com. All right, Chris, let's go through the rankings. Obviously, not a lot of changes uh, at this point in the preseason, but let's just run it through for the listeners. Quarterback, you know, what's your top qu- the quarterback? Anything changed in the last uh, week or two? No, not really. I mean, I, I, I'm still going to take Luck over Rodgers just because he's younger, more durable, and runs a little bit more at this point. But, you know, if you took Rodgers, I wouldn't really argue with you too much. And then there's like a really deep second tier. You know, the, the Wilson, Breeze, Ryan, Peyton – and then, you know, Roethlisberger and Newton, you can argue, go in there. And even Romo and Brady, we'll see what happens. Apparently, Roger Goodell upheld the four-game suspension, but then they're going to go to court, and it's going to be a big battle, so we'll see. Um, but I think there's a pretty big second tier. I think Eli's arguably in that tier. I'm not a Tannehill guy, but it's very hard to do projections when you put his, his rushing yards and touchdowns and not have him in the top 12 or so, and even Rivers. So it, it's... You know, once once you're past Luck and Rodgers, I could see taking Peyton in round six or five, but I wouldn't really reach up. Uh, you know, I wouldn't take any. I would not take any quarterback in round four. Put it that way. And who's your you know way on a quarterback pick? I mean, I you know I told you I got Stafford, even though I don't like him. He's got 600 attempts. If, not, if I'm going to get him in the 11th round, that's fine. But if you're waiting forever, who, who's your guy that you're eyeing in sort of the second or third tier even? I mean, I like Andy Dalton. He had a, a lot of touchdowns a couple of years ago, and last year he was terrible. But, I mean, literally all his receivers were hurt. I mean, Marvin Jones is out for the year. Eifert was out since the middle of week one. And then A.J. Green was banged up and missed several games. So, I mean, he literally lost everybody. Uh, and all those guys are back now. So, you know, I think he'll at least get, you know, 25 touchdown passes, and he runs a little bit. Uh, and the other guy's Kaepernick. I mean, Kaepernick threw, like, 450 passes a year, uh, under Harbaugh with a great defense. And if he throws 550, I haven't projected for 500 conservatively, but if he throws 550 like an average NFL quarterback who plays 16 games and then you throw in the rushing yards, um, it's going to be hard for him not to be, you know, a top 15, maybe even a top 12 quarterback. Uh, to our running back, uh, you know, what's your top, what's your, what's your top tier, top 12 this time? I, I assume Bell's number one then, huh? Yeah, there were, you know, in PPR, he was number one before it got reduced from three to two, reportedly. I don't know how confirmed that is right now at the time that we're talking about this. But now that, uh, you know, but assuming it's reduced to two games, he's number one in both formats, PPR and standard. I actually moved Peterson up to number two. I didn't mean to. I just tweaked his receiving projections a little bit. I uh, gave him a little extra. And, uh, and when, lo and behold, he, he passed Jamal Charles and Eddie Lacy into the number two spot. And I'm fine with that. I mean, I, I do think that he signed, the, you know, the contract. And that, you know, kind of all the, the bad blood is buried. I think that's just a really good sign. And the fact that he had a year off maybe even be good for him. So, you know, he might be the Alex Rodriguez of football, basically. Well, his coach came out today and said that he's, you know, he's going to get the ball a ton, which, you know, it's, it's preseason. There's a lot of coach speak, but still just kind of, you know, the same vibe, right? That everything's going really well. And, 
you know, they're not talking about goal line backs and third down backs, you know, at least at this point, you know, they're everything. And you know, all he has to do, like you said, is catch 35, 40 balls. And in PPR, that makes a big difference from him, you know, the days of him catching like, you know, 20 or 15 or something. And, you know, he's old. He's going to be 30, and, and that's the wrong side of the running back curve. But he's just not – you can't compare him to the average career running back, right? I mean, this is a different person. This is a guy who came back from an ACL tear nine months later and basically broke all sorts of records. And this is one of the, you know, maybe five best running backs in the history of football, maybe one of the three best running backs in the history of football. So I, I don't like to just say, oh, he's 30, so we got to predict a steep decline. He's going to be an outlier. So you got Eddie Lacy at number three currently, but you know he he went he went number one in a couple of our staff league drafts. I mean number one overall. Yeah, I had him number one overall at one point, but I'm, I'm souring on that proposition a little bit. He's good, he's okay actually as a player. Herb hates him by the way, and Herb's the Packers guy, but Herb's a little ridiculous. He's he was complaining about Aaron Rodgers, so then I started to uh, discredit him um, once he started doing that. But but Eddie Lacy, you know he's. He's just a good player, you know, maybe an above average player, and he's just in a great situation. And he could have a huge year, and running back is mostly situational, but it's more that I like Eddie Lacy's floor. And if you're going to use the top pick or the second pick, yeah, of course you want a great floor, but I want some ceiling too. And I just don't know that Eddie Lacy, I guess he could score 16 touchdowns. I mean, sure, right? right? I mean, he's going to be in good situations. But he just doesn't have that breakaway speed. You don't see him getting a lot of 40 or 50-yard touchdowns. It's really, you know, pad your yardage holes and break games open so he's number three he's still you know obviously a very very solid pick but i had a hard time moving him uh, above bell or peterson right now and then you got charles four i mean you still see to me that those top four are sort of interchangeable i mean i mean you know bell suspension you know is a factor obviously if, if he didn't have suspension he'd be a clear tier number one but well to me any of those any of those four guys you could take you know number one overall and i'd, I'd be fine with it yeah, I'm a little nervous about Charles's health, just the mileage and the age and the fact that he's been dinged up last year and missed a year with an ACL. I just don't know. I'm a little nervous about him. But, yeah, his upside is off the charts. He's obviously one of the most talented backs in the game. Um, and just remember, Le'Veon Bell's stats that I project that have him number one do not include the two games you get of his replacement, right? I mean, really, when a guy is suspended two games, we should have some sort of replacement calculator that adds those two games to the, the suspended player and enhances his stats even more. I know. And in theory, that makes sense. But it's not as easy as you think to get a replacement player, you know. you know. And I think missing the two for the first two games of the season is actually worse than missing, like, two games later in the season because, you know, you, most, most, team, most leagues are only 13 games. You want to start off fast. If you start off fast in fantasy football, you know, you, you have more trade opportunities. You know, everything's rolling in your direction. It's harder to, you know, come from behind. Um, but obviously I mean, three games that have a bigger, a, a bigger impact that way than two games. You're right about one thing. You know, I had Rashad Jennings on NFFC league and that's who I'm going to start in week one. If you know, or TJ Yeldon, depending, you know, and it sounds like, okay, great. So, you know, Rashad Jennings, two games could be really good. But the thing is there was an opportunity cost that I had to take Jennings there, right? Maybe I would have taken a top quarterback. Maybe I would have taken another receiver. So you can't just look at like who you're right. It's not as simple as adding the stats because I also had to use a pick on a player. I might not have had to draft there. So it changed everything that he suspended. Right. But there is, you, but you are going to get something. For you're going to get something. Games. I'm just saying. That in addition to that, you know, opportunity cost. There's also just high variance, right? It's not like you're when you take a first round draft pick and you plug in one of these guys, you kind of know what you're going to get, if right. not week to week over the course of a you know half a season or whatever. But for two games, who knows? You know, what I mean? all, <laughs> you know what I mean? you're so. absolutely right. But all that said, opportunity cost, variance, whatever. There's still you're going to get something more than zero, and the projected stats for Le'Veon Bell. Assume you get zero in his absence. So 
he's even more valuable than the stats say. All right, so that, but that's clear. Those top four guys, you'd say, was kind of a, a tier, and then a little bit of a drop off. And then, how do you? What, what's your next? What's your next uh, five or six? Yeah, I've got Lynch at five. Um, you know, he doesn't. He's never going to catch a ton of passes. He's got a lot of mileage at this point, um, but he's good. You know, I mean, he was good in the playoffs last year. He's a monster. He didn't slow down. There was no sign of decline. So he's five. Um, I have DeMarco Murray six. I, this is where it gets fungible. I, you know, Lynch could quasi be in that first tier because he's just so. You know, he's on the same team. You know exactly kind of what you're getting. So, so the next bunch of guys all have their weird question marks. Uh, and I may boost Arian Foster. I read something by Mike Clay that I never changed my mind by what I read from someone else. But I think he might be right about this. But anyway, we'll start with Murray. You know, obviously a great situation in Philly. Had 392 carries last year, which is just ridiculous. Um, but who knows if that's a myth that, you know, the next year they fall off. So that, that's kind of the question mark with him. Ryan Matthews also there. Forte. I don't like the age, the change in coach, um, the career mileage. I'm nervous about him. I, I'm probably not going to own him, but you know the numbers are the numbers, and he's a ridiculous receiver. McCoy in Buffalo could get a huge workload, hugely talented, but has he lost a step? He wasn't that good last year. Um, new system. I just don't. You know, there's question marks with him. Jeremy Hill, huge upside. You know, looks like a great back in the peak. You know, his second year, completely healthy, durable. But you have Gio Bernard, who's a really good back and probably going to play on third downs, and that just really kind of cuts into upside. And the number 10, Aaron Foster, uh, and 11, C.J. Anderson, those are the two wild cards where Foster could be the number one guy. I mean, Foster, whenever he plays, is great. I mean, there's really there's no sign of falloff last year. You see the guy play. He can catch passes. He can run. He can do everything. And C.J. Anderson was kind of the same way last year and the same thing, like not a, an undrafted guy. Um, but plug him in and he's really good so those two guys are kind of the wild cards that could actually even be in the first tier and i wouldn't really fight you that much it's just that i worry about foster's health and i worry about anderson's job security yeah i'm down on i'm down on both murray and foster i mean i'm sorry murray and anderson murray just an injury prone guy coming off a career year with a lot of carries i mean you're just buying at his peak value and i'm not even sure that he'll necessarily you know be the you know, he'll be like, you know, how the Philly offense is going to work in this new, you know, world after all these trades and that kind of stuff. And then Anderson, you know, he's a guy who's the number one running back in a pass-first offense with, you know, two, you know, viable running backs behind him who did well at times last year. Um, I mean, you know, Hilliard was good for like two, you know, a couple of weeks. I mean, not as good as Anderson, but he wasn't like a zero. And then Monte Ball still has the pedigree, could factor in. I'm not saying that either one of those guys are going to be, you know, that he's going to lose the job, but... I like my first-run running backs to have, you know, a clear hold on a job and a run-first offense and nothing behind him. Right. It's Anderson is the guy for now, but let's say he has a bad game and fumbles, right? I mean, immediately we're going to start hearing rumbles. And that's just not going to happen if Peterson fumbles and has a bad game or Le'Veon Bell fumbles or Eddie Lacy, right? It's just, why do you even want that headache? Why do you even want that possibility? And, right. And, and or that Alf- sours me a little bit. Or Alfred Anderson. Morris, right? Or, I mean, or, yep. or Frank Gore. Yep. I mean, I'm not saying those guys are those guys are not maybe as, as good. And obviously, they don't have the pass catching in Alfred Morris. But I don't know. I just, you know, I want right. more, I want more, more safety and security in my first round pick. Yeah, that's right. Even Alfred Morris is not going to lose his job. And, um, but, you know, when you look at like the upside, so the floor is lower, but you look at the upside of Foster and CJ Anderson, and, and, and upside wise, they belong in the top five. Okay, so then, you know, kind of go through maybe your neck, you know, the rest of the top 15 or so. Who else do you have there? You got Curly, Curly moving up into that. Yeah, I moved him up today because of the news that he's, you know, he may even be available week one. Um, you know, again, you're talking about a guy they drafted 13 overall who's considered one of the better running back prospects to come out in the last 10 years. Um, that is somebody that you want to have. Um, Lamar Miller. Very quietly, 5.1 yards per carry last year, 39 receptions. 
um, Jay Ajayi, wherever you say his name, I have no idea how to say his last name, um, was a fifth-round pick, and everybody's worried about that. I'm not worried about that. I like Miller. Melvin Gordon, another first-round pick that I think they drafted to be the, certainly the early-down guy. They, they do have two viable third-down backs, so that hurts him a little bit. And then, you know, you have – this is where the running backs gets a little sketchy. A lot of people like Justin Forsett because of Tressman coming there to throw him a lot of passes. And, and one good thing about Forsett is he was always good in Seattle or wherever else he played in his other stops. He just never really got the chance because he was small, didn't really have a lot of long speed. But, you know, he's the guy for now. I think he's kind of like a poor man C.J. Anderson. Like, you know, for now he's the guy and, and everything could be great. You just wonder how much of a security he has if he doesn't have a good game. Carlos Hyde I'm nervous about, but he is ostensibly the starter. Frank Gore, you know, obviously he may be done or he may have one last good year in him and he may even catch more passes. Ingram, it's all about injuries and health. Spiller's there to take down third downs. Um, and then as you go down, Andre Ellington, Latavius Murray, Jonathan Stewart, TJ Yeldon, those guys obviously have more question marks in terms of job security. And, you know, Yeldon's a rookie. Stewart is always hurt. He's, you know, been in the league a long time. Um, can he hold off? You know, some of the other guys, Cameron Artis Payne, uh, you know, if, if that's going to end up being a battle. And Latavius Murray, he had a great game, got hurt, and has all the measurables. But is he really going to uh, keep the job? And are the Raiders going to be good enough to support a, a decent running game? So those are the rankings. Obviously, the rest you can check at rotowire.com. I mean, go extremely thorough in all this. But going into the later rounds, I mean, who, you know, mid to late round sleepers, who are the couple names you're throwing out there, guys? You've been either finding yourself up with these drafts you've done so far, or you're kind of targeting. Well, you know, I, I kind of like the non-rookies, right? You, you mentioned Devonta Freeman, right? Everyone liked him last year, and he was a bust. And now this year, everyone likes Tevin Coleman. But Tevin Coleman's going to cost you a lot more than Devonta Freeman. And it's just kind of like, well, why not take the guy? You know, they haven't announced that Tevin Coleman is the starter, right? I mean, he, he could be the starter. But I kind of I kind of like, you know, okay, everyone loves Amir Abdullah. He's been going ahead of Joyk Bell. Okay, well, if Joyk Bell slips and is cheaper, take Joyk Bell. I just think we don't really know who's going to win these battles. So um, instead of getting stuck in the hype of one guy or, or another, just take the cheaper guy, whoever it is. I mean, again, nobody knew Justin Forsett was the key backup to have. So get a bunch of these backups and get the cheapest ones. I mean, I really, you know, they're, they're talking about Duke Johnson and they're talking about Isaiah Crowell. I got Terrence West in like the 16th round. Maybe he ends up starting. Who knows? I like, I like David Johnson in Arizona. I mean, you know, I, I don't know if Ellington's willing to stay healthy He's kind of a nice sleeper. I didn't get him any leagues. He's one guy who I hope to get in a couple more. We'll see if his ADP rises, uh, you know, this this summer though. I, I think um, you know, there's, you can take advantage of something, which is like a human tendency to have a binary outlook, right? Either it's this guy has the job or he doesn't have the job. And in a case like C.J. Anderson, it's like ninety ten, right? I mean, he pretty much has the job. But in a case like you know, with some of these guys like Tevin Coleman, maybe it's like fifty five forty five, right? And but because he's the favorite, people just binarily go. It's his job, so do you, you know he's the last available starter. But he's not a starter. He's a, you know, everybody has a percentage attached to him. And I think that you know, because we don't know what's going to happen and we want certainty, we, we just choose a starter. And the deeper you go, <clears throat> you know, in, in, in the weaker running back situations and the deeper you go in the draft, you may get a guy who has a 33% chance to win a starting job in the 15th round. And to me, like, that's gold. Because people just look at him as a backup. He's not yet a backup. He may well end up being a backup, but right now it's uncertain. And I think you can use the uncertainty to, to your advantage by not declaring somebody a starter and a backup and just realizing it's all just a probability thing. All right, let's switch, let's switch over to wide receivers. Um, you know, go, yeah, go with your top wide receivers. Uh, hold on a second here. 
Let me let me stop that again. Okay. Sorry, I'm rambling a little long in the. No, 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 that's fine. I just I just had a uh, malfunction here. I'll cut this out. Wide receivers. Hold on a second. All right, let's switch over to wide receivers. Uh, not as much changes there in the last two weeks. Not a lot of news, but uh, you got Des Bryant number one, Antonio Brown number two. Um, you run me through your top your top five. Yeah, I mean, this is non-PPR. I think in PPR, I hate to say it, but I have to put Antonio Brown first. He just catches so many passes, and it's kind of a boring pick, and it's not – I expect a decent amount of regression from a historic year. But but in non-PPR, it's Dez because he's such a touchdown machine. <clears throat> then Bryant, just based on volume, and he is also efficient. Um, and the, the rest of these guys, you can shuffle the top five really any which way. Demarius Thomas, three. I, I really think Manning's Peyton's going to be fine, and, and Demarius is a monster, and he had a huge year despite you know really bad start. Odell Beckham, I mean th- this is if you ask me who has the most upside, the biggest ceiling of any receiver, it's definitely Odell Beckham. It's definitely 100. percent If you said who could get you know 2,000 yards and 18 touchdowns, that's Odell Beckham. He's the only, you know, he's probably the only guy. And then Julio Jones probably has the second biggest ceiling, and he's number five. The only thing that worries about Beckham, it's like it's like half a season. You know, coordinators are probably going to well, go after him this year. I, you know, I don't know if he, the secondary targets are really going to be there. I mean, is Victor Cruz going to be healthy? Okay. He was out all year last year, Victor Cruz, when when Beckham took over. And Beckham didn't have half a season. He had he played 12 games, but he had 10 real games where he got snaps. Those 10 games, which is not three games. This is not prorating two or three games to full season. This is prorating the only 10 games in which he got a you know his full complement of snaps. Prorated to 139 catches for 1,964 yards which is more than anyone's ever gotten in NFL history, and 18 touchdowns, okay? That's what he prorated to from 10 to 16, not 4 to 16, but 10 full games, okay? And at the end of the year, he said, yeah, I was, my hamstring wasn't really 100%. And if you think that with Ruben Randall, who was terrible until the last two games of the season, that any defense that you know was you know, vying for a playoff berth and really cared about the game against the Giants was doing anything other than king on Odell Beckham, I mean – it is not going to get worse. It could only get better. Now, I think Victor Cruz will siphon off you know, some targets. Um, and I also think that there's just going to be regression. Just like Antonio Brown, nobody keeps that pace up. I mean, peak Jerry Rice would envy the pace that Beckham was on. Uh, but, you know, that is not – 10 games is not a fluke. And it's the only 10 games he really played. You know, it, it's not like a 10-game sample. It wasn't like Jeremy Lin or something where he had, you know, a, a small sample in the midst of a larger sample. This is the only sample we have. Yeah, that could. I mean, it could be. My natural inclination in fantasy football is just never to buy last year's stats. And so, whoever had a big year last year, you know, unless it's been like somebody's done a year over year over year, I mean, I'm inclined to just you know pass at a high ADP. But you're right, Beckham could be. You know, his numbers might be so good that it's like you know it's worth. It's there's more upside beyond that. So, beyond the top five, you got you know the guys that I like are the guys in the second half, second half of the top five. Because you can get them cheaper this year. They're on sale. Calvin Johnson, A.J. Green. To me, those guys, yeah, they missed a couple of games with injuries. But when they came back, they were still very good. And this year, you can get them late first round, second round. You can maybe even go, uh, you know, my dream this year, I didn't do it on my other two leagues. But hopefully it will happen is to get, you know, to have a draft position like 10, 11, 12 and start out with Calvin Johnson and A.J. Green. That, that's kind of my goal this year. You should have spoken up in the Stopa League. I I said Calvin 37 and you I, didn't I say 38. totally regret it. I mean, the set, I just t- completely wussed out. And uh, if I could have got him for thirty eight dollars, I'd go back. If someone said it's thirty eight, you might have said thirty nine. But because everybody kind of froze, I did a jump in, and it just stuck. Everyone was waiting for someone else to speak. I mean, I still like my team, but I, that was a great value. I'm, you know, I, I think he'll bounce back. He won't be P. Calvin Johnson, but even P. Calvin Johnson, even non P. Calvin Johnson is like a, could be a top five to 
certainly top 10 wide receiver. And, you know, if you're getting him in that, that late first round, second round, I think that's, you know, it's a good, good base for your, for your team. Here's the deal with him. You know, the big receivers don't typically age that well. You see a lot of Derek Mason, Steve Smith, Reggie Wayne hung on for a while. He may still sign somewhere. Who cares? Um, but, you know, there's been a lot of small guys who have made it pretty late. And the only big guy I can think of is Terrell Owens, who, you know, in this, you know, early to mid 30s, 33, 34, had a decent year. You never really see these big receivers aging that well. Um, and he's not that old. He's only about 30. Uh, but this is kind of it. You know, can, can he stay healthy and be the guy still? Um, and I think this is going to be – it's interesting. Uh, I, I think there's one more really good year in him, and I, and I would pay up for him this year. I mean, so but I, isn't it kind of like with Adrian Peterson where you're like, okay, average receivers age this way or average running backs age this way. But, I mean, you know, Peterson's like the elite of elite guys. I mean, isn't Calvin Johnson kind of in that same class where we just, you know, should expect a little less, you know, age, you know average aging? Yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. I mean, you don't even if you're built like Calvin Johnson, which is like obviously you have such an advantage, um, you don't get to being the best receiver in the league and maybe a top five receiver all time without serious work ethic, good genetics in terms of health, good whatever. You know, I mean, I think it's very likely that he breaks the aging curve at least a little bit. Okay, so you got you know Calvin at six, Jordy Nelson at seven. Let's go through, and then AJ Green. Let's go through the rest of the top uh, twelve here. Yeah, so yeah, Jordy, AJ, AJ Green, and then nine, I have Alshon Jeffrey, um, who obviously with Brandon Marshall gone will be the clear number one. We'll see if Cutler is a totally broken man or has something left. Mike Evans, number 10, I think there's even upside here. Um, I, I, you know, he was playing in a pretty bad system with a bad quarterback. I know he's got a new quarterback, new system, but it's Dirk Cutter from Atlanta who threw a ton, made really good use of Roddy White and Julio Jones when he was there, and then you've got, you know, James Winston who can't be worse than the Glenn and McCown combo that Evans dealt with last year as a rookie, and he should be better in his second year. So, like him a lot. I probably have him in a few leagues. Randall Cobb at eleven. You know, situation is really good. DeAndre Hopkins is a guy that I don't like to draft when he's you know when it's that part of the draft, and he's the next guy on my board. I, I just don't feel great about the QBs, and I just you know he's not some sort of massive size speed freak or anything like that that can just will it you know will his way into double digit touchdowns. How do you feel about DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, if they had a better, you know, quarterback situation, I'd feel you know great about him. I mean, that's that's the problem. He certainly fits like the growth curve of, of a player that you want to you want to own. But it's just hard to invest in guys like that when when you have no faith in the quarterbacking. But this is that later third round issue that comes up, right? That's what I was talking about. And then you have Emmanuel Sanders, who you know I like, but he's small, and you know he's coming off a career year. And Peyton, there is you know still some risk. T. Y. Hilton, um, there's a lot of mouths to feed there, and he's not a big touchdown guy. Uh, and he's never going to get 150 targets. He's just, he's, you know, he's more of a Deshaun Jackson type. It's, it's hard to really be an elite guy with those numbers. And then Jordan Matthews, who hasn't done anything really, but, you know, should be the number one in a really prolific passing offense. So that's kind of my next tier. And I end up like gravitating toward Jordan Matthews almost over Hopkins and Hilton just because I want to have a guy who could be a top seven receiver. I don't think those other guys are going to be. I see. I think Matthews and I, and I didn't get him in either drafts, and he's another guy we're trying to get. I think he has a lot, ton of upside because, right, you know, his pedigree, his size, um, you know, the overall offense, if not the quarterback, you know, because of the volume of, of attempts. I think he's yeah, he's somebody I want to get. But you know, I, I thought you know foolishly I was going to be able to wait until like later third round, you know, to be able to get him, you know, pass on him in the second round, and maybe get him in the next round. But that just wasn't the case. Yeah, he's getting priced up. I mean, you know, obviously the ceiling is is obvious. We can all see it. But the floor is probably pretty low compared to these other guys who have done it, right? I mean, 
what if Nelson Aguilar is the number one and then Ertz becomes a red zone guy and then Chip Kelly just decides that Jordan Matthews isn't a good route runner or something. You know what I mean? There's just no established floor here. There's no, well, you know, he's earned it. He's our guy. He's been there for years. You know what I mean? It, or he gets a little hamstring injury. He's a little behind or whatever. It's just, you know, with these guys, you obviously see the ceiling, but I just think that, you know, and I usually draft for ceiling even in the second or third round, but you could see that T.Y. Hilton or Emmanuel Sanders or DeAndre Hopkins is a way higher floor. All right, so then you've got, uh, you know, now we start getting the guys with some, some real question marks. Sammy, Sammy Watkins, Golden Tate, Kelvin Benjamin, Brandon Cooks. But you like both Tate and Cooks. Uh, I don't, I, you know, okay, so this is, we're looking at the non-PPR list, okay, and I don't like them, either one of them, especially on this list. Um, but if we were to go to a PPR list, they get really bumped up, right? I have Golden Tate with 88 catches and Cooks with 87. So they're going to leapfrog, you know, Kelvin Benjamin and, and Sammy Watkins on the, uh, on the PPR list. You know, I just think Cooks is really small, and I, I guess he could become Antonio Brown and, and just be a dynamic, you know, all-over-the-field monster. But the reality is most small receivers aren't able to pull that off. You know, they either become Deshaun Jackson <clears throat> or T.Y. Hilton, <clears throat> one-dimensional deep threats, or they become – you know, little short passing threats, and they never really get to open things up. Uh, and we'll see if they can do it with Cooks, if they can really use him all over the field and get him 150 targets. But uh, I love him PPR. I think he's going to catch a lot of passes. Golden Tate also I think is going to catch passes. They, Detroit does not have a number three. Um, they do not really throw to the tight end. I mean, maybe Eric Ebron year two becomes that, but who knows? He didn't do anything his rookie year. Um, and he didn't show any sign. Uh, and then they will throw to their backs. But as you said, Stafford throws 600-plus times. And they've got basically two targets, one of whom Calvin has been injured a little bit. Uh, I think Golden Tate is pretty safe in a PPR. All right. And then so your top 20 non-PPR to run out, Michael Floyd. Who, who uh, I mean, now if you start getting into the middle to late rounds, who are guys you've been finding yourself getting in drafts or who, you, or who are you targeting? Well, I may bump up Martavis Bryan. I've been reading some stuff. I, I'm starting to get convinced. But if you want to go deeper, um, some guys that I like, um, I like Dante Moncrief because I'm fading Andre Johnson. It may take six weeks for them to realize that he's the better player. Allen Robinson's gotten kind of trendy, but I do like him in year two as a guy who could break out. I like Rashad Perriman. There's some you know question about his route running, but I mean, I think Steve Smith is done, and they don't really have anything else. And and he may emerge, and you know before people you know realize it. Um, couple other guys I like, Cody Latimer, you know, he's ostensibly has a good chance to be the number three guy in Denver. One injury to Thomas or to uh, to Sanders, and, and Latimer could be a monster. Nick Toon, again, it's pretty thin in the New Orleans receiving core. And if Cooks doesn't become that all-purpose 150, 160 target guy, maybe Toon gets a big share of the, uh, of the looks, especially in the red zone. So there's just a few guys I, I probably will have on a bunch of teams. Yeah, I like Moncrief. I mean, I like again, I like getting anyone in the Indy offense or the Packers offense for that for, for that uh, you know as well that you can get cheap just because you just don't know. And so the Colts took you know, first round draft pick Philip Dorsett, um, and he's fast and got good reviews in minicamp. Who knows if he gets on the field? But you know, one injury, you know, injury a tight end, and next thing you know, you've got a guy you know who's getting the ball from Andrew Luck. So I got both Moncrief and. And uh, Dorsett late in the Vegas League draft on my reserve roster, and I love that because, you know, all it takes is an injury or two, and I've suddenly got uh, some some good players. Yeah, uh, I mean, and there's ba- there's basically three elements, right? There's skills, there's team context, right, and, and then there's opportunity, right? And I think that like opportunity is the thing that changes most dramatically, right? So tr- so by skills and team context, and, and and lack of opportunity, and hope that changes. I mean, I think that's the way you hit a home run from receivers. 
All right, let's switch over to tight ends. Obviously, you know, Gronk, clear number one. It's just a matter of how early do you want to take him in the first round. You know, no no tight end has ever averaged an ADP in the first round, so, and he will this year, I'm sure. So Maybe not, turn. though. I've seen a lot of Calvin and Jordy going ahead of Gronk at that, you know, 11-12 turn, and Gronk goes early in the second. Well, I mean, his ADP's up there. I mean, justifiably so. I mean, if he stay if he stays healthy, I mean, you know, he's going to return first. Who do round you take, value. Calvin or Gronk? I mean, if you're picking eleven and you can, I just Calvin. I'm not going to take Gronk. I mean, I, Gronk's awesome and he's got tons of upside, but just, his, his, he's just never stayed healthy, you know. And now he's got four games without Brady. Probably won't matter a ton, but you know, just given all of those factors, and you know, I just I'm going to pass on him. I think the wide receivers are safer. Yeah, I'm kind of there. I, I just, it's just so much easier to find one tight end than three receivers. You know, no, that's true. It also kind of depends on league format. I mean, if it's a format where I'm caring way more about upside um, as opposed to just making the playoffs, like you, you know, NFFC for example, you know, where you want a shot at winning the hundred thousand dollars. I mean, you know, then Gronk's kind of your guy, right? I mean, because like you said, you just get that advantage of tight end every week. Um, but if you want to go a little bit safer, and that's usually what I do in the first round of most leagues, then I'm passing on it. Just tight end in general, they just get injured more often, and Gronk obviously has been injured a lot. All right, let's go through the rest of the top of the round. I mean, obviously it's a big drop-off. you got Jimmy Graham, number two, even though he's going, you know, from the best passing offense, arguably, to a run-first defense, but you still think he's number two. I mean, barely. You know, I, I think he's a lot closer to Travis Kelsey, my number three, than he is to Gronk, and I've had a lot of debates about it, and people think Graham's a second-round pick. I don't. Um, I just think it's a totally different offense. Maybe he, everything clicks and everything's great and they use him a ton and Russell Wilson throws him every time they get in the red zone. But why would they mess with the way they do things? <laughs> I mean, like they're, they made, they basically won two Super Bowls. They lost because of the freakish, you know, total freak play. Um, I think they're going to run the same kind of offense and scheme and they're just going to have a better, more effective, more efficient weapon when they trot him out. But I don't think it's going to be that much. And, and, and Kelsey, you've got number three. Where are you taking him? I, I think I took him in like the third round of that 14-team uh, draft just, just because I got to a situation where everybody looked kind of the same. And so I thought, well, I'll get a little bit of advantage of a tight end. I don't know if that was smart or not on me. Yeah, you know, I did that exact same thing in the uh, NFFC draft. It was the last pick of the third round, pick 36. And I just thought, eh, I don't love any of these players. So I'll just take the best tight end. It's PPR. Um, and I don't feel great about it because, I, you know, I don't really trust that offense. But... He got involved last year, and I think you know now that he's established, he'll, he'll be more involved. And, and skill-wise, you know, he's not that you know he's right there with uh, Graham and Gronk, you know, in terms of athleticism, and, and he's maybe just an inch shorter than Gronkowski. Yeah, I took him actually. Did I stand correct? I took him early in the fourth round, but close enough to where you were drafting me, it was kind of the same thing. So I'm not really sure if I'm going to regret that or not. Olson, you know, number four to me, those are like the top four. And then after that, I think it gets you know, then I think it starts to get really muddled. Who, who do you have after Olson? I have Ertz because he really had a huge game at the end of the year. It doesn't really mean much. In year three, tight ends are a little slower than receivers to develop. You never get a good one as a rookie. Second year is when they can break out. But I think second, third, fourth year, you want to get these guys. And that's why I like Tyler Eifert as a sleeper who's really in his second year because he missed all of last year, most of it. Uh, and Ertz is the third-year guy who, you know, same thing. You know, he could break out. They got rid of Macklin. You know, we think that Jordan Matthews is going to get all the targets. But maybe Ertz becomes their number one guy. You know, some teams like the Patriots – the number one guy's a tight end, or you know, the Saints used to have their number one guy being a tight end. It could be that that happens with the Eagles this year. So I have Ertz as number five, but he certainly doesn't have the highest floor among the, the guys after the big four. Yeah, and you know, for me, the sleeper, Max Williams, Pitt is going to start the year in the PUP. Williams was a good pass catching tight end and a 
running offense and, and you know, University of Minnesota. Who knows? But, you know, it seems to me like he has a lot of upside. He's, uh, I'll have him in a bunch of leagues. I love that I got, got him for a dollar in this double league. Yeah, I, I mean, rookie tight ends never do anything. But sometimes you wonder because maybe they don't get opportunities. You know, I mean, a lot of that could be – it used to be rookie receivers never did anything. And then last year they lit the league on fire. So maybe, you know, maybe Max Williams bucks the trend. I, I have him pretty low. Um, you know, I like Jordan Cameron. I know it's a different system, but he's really talented. Just has to stay healthy. Um, I like Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis was an elite tight end for five, six, seven years. He has one bad year, and everyone's bearing him. I actually like Vernon Davis. Oh, he was such a dog last year, though. I mean, he was like unplayable. You know, so many weeks and just you know, so he many was. Zeros. But that's what's dry. everyone's mad about it. But I, I think that uh, you know, he's tight ends age very well. You know, I mean, you look at the guys like Gates and Gonzalez and Witten and. You know, it's just it's Shannon Sharp in the day. They all age well as long as they stay healthy. All right, we talked about rookies. You know, we mentioned we've, we've talked about a bunch of the rankings. A couple other names. Just give me a quick reaction. Amari Cooper. Where where's he on your radar? Uh, he's low. I mean, he's you know in the twenties or early thirties. I got to look it up exactly, but he's lower than most. Uh, he always goes in the draft, and I wasn't thinking of getting him. I have him twenty nine. He usually goes in the top twenty five receivers, and I just I don't like Derek Carr, and I don't like the Raiders. What about Nelson Aguilar with the with the Eagles? You know, he usually goes before I'm willing to take him. I'm at 43. Could be big. I just, you know, I don't know. I I really just don't know. I'm kind of agnostic, and he usually someone's willing to take him ahead of me. And what about Devontae Parker? Like him, um, I just think he's the size speed freak, and and the broken foot is what's setting him back. But I I think he, you know, you look at Miami, you know, Kenny Stills, Jarvis Landry, Greg Jennings. Those guys all suck. I mean, come on. No, I mean, they're all okay. Right, and they'll get targets, especially Landry. But Parker's the guy who's the game changer, and if he can get healthy for Week One, I think he's interesting. And one guy as a sleeper who I like, I wish he qualified at tight end, but I got him for a couple of a dollar, a couple of leagues. Devin Funches, what do you think about him? Um, I think he's interesting because uh, Benjamin has showed up out of shape and hurt his hamstring, and they got to throw to somebody besides Greg Olson there. So, um, and he's big, uh, and so uh, I think there's an opportunity. I think, yeah, really late, I like him. Yeah, he's a wide receiver. I was I was hoping he'd have like the, some quirky tight end eligibility since he yeah. had that in college. Like Marcus Colson that year that he came in as a rookie. He was tight <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But I, I don't I haven't seen that so far on Yahoo or any other system. So, um, and then one more running back, Amir Abdullah, um, another rookie running back. What do you think about him in, in Detroit? I mean, I you know people are really getting excited about him and, and pushing him up even over Joyk Bell and maybe you know maybe he's better. I, I'm not a college football guy, so I don't really know about these guys as prospects, and I almost think it helps me because we hear so much hype about these guys, and then they suck. And, and I feel like the hype about the college prospects really doesn't translate into anything. It's, to, it's totally random, like which guy, which hyped college running back prospect actually is good in the NFL. I don't think anyone really knows. So um, I don't know. You know. Apparently, he's a good pass catcher. Apparently, you know, he's going to – Surpass theoretic is is that third down guy? Maybe I could see theoretic keeping that, um, and maybe Bell is you know dinged up and, but I again he's another guy that gets taken and and I'm thinking about taking him and then he gets taken before I really am, am willing to pull the trigger. That concludes the RotoWire Fantasy Football Audio Draft Kit. Uh, we'll do this again at some point in the next week or two to update uh, our rankings and outlook for the upcoming season. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. 
Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free. Only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores.